And we live this morning in an area that uh, is so blessed with people that know how to pray. However, this, these messages will not be shaming on you for not praying more, but they will be encouraging you to ask this question, is there more time that I could invest in prayer to make our community a better community? Is there enough time that I could spend a few more moments in prayer for my church and the leadership of this church and the burden that is expressed so many times, can you help this family or can you help our kids? And as the condition continues to worsen and this morning, not only in our community, but presently America is in need of a spiritual awakening this morning. And it's, it's taken its time and toll on America today as they have searched for reality of how to make America great again. And today we look at the statistic of a church that is challenged to pray. And statistics show that our churches today may be considering a season of apathy or ineffectiveness when only 17% of America attends church on any given Sunday. The United States is now the third largest mission field in the world. And the percentage of America youth who have a biblical worldview is at records low while the church just continues to struggle with division and fear and failure of numerous leaders. The bad news is that the spiritual condition of America is at a critical stage this morning. And the good news is that America has been here before and God brought America back through revival. The pattern has remained the same throughout America history. In the midst of a spiritual decline, God's people have humbled themselves in prayer and, and, and humbled themselves and responded in a very powerful way. And our spiritual history speaks hope to our hearts today. God's word to Solomon at the dedication of the temple provides insight of how God's people should respond to our present predicament. God says to Samuel, when I shut up heaven, the heavens, so that there's no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven, I will heal their land, and I will set the captives free. Our challenge this morning in, in our review of encounters with the Lord is a message today that's vitally important to all of us, including the leadership of the church. I cast my eyes upon the things that are happening today in a few moments of listening to the news. And just last night, I was listening just a few moments that I had, and, and the news commentator was saying to those that may be waiting on the last, to the last moment, if you can get a ticket to the bowl game, the minimum charge for uh, uh, the last seats are a minimum of $2,300 for the bowl game. And if you waited for the last moment to get a motel or a hotel close to where the game will be played, it'll be a minimum of $3,000 and possibly $5,000 for the nights that include your stay at the bowl game. And then I begin to think, and the, the enemy begins to do his thing today on church people and church leadership. And uh, I, I just, I just asked myself, isn't it time that we have another earthquake in the church? Isn't it time that we have another encounter with the Holy Spirit inside the walls of the church? 
Because I can tell you this morning, while America may be searching for reality, God still has hands and feet and a voice in America today, and that's you and me. You're his feet. You're his hands extended. You're the voice that he depends upon to speak life when we hear nothing but death and we hear the words fake news. We sat in this building a few years ago on marriage retreat week, and the chandeliers began to roll in a very unusual way. And one gentleman saw that, and he began to evaluate there's something going on that we don't normally see in this church. However, it was an earthquake. The, the earth was shaking. It was felt throughout our community. But I'm praying this morning that we can have an earthquake inside of the church. The chandeliers may not ri- roll and, and shake, but I'm praying that God will shake our hearts and our spirit today. We'll come to the realization that America is at the crossroads today, and God is depending upon the church, the blood-bought church, the washed church, to rise and triumph in victory and proclaim this is the Lord Jesus Christ these are his hands and these are his voices and we're here to proclaim there's victory in Jesus name never forget the words of the grandmother as she was praying today I was privileged many years ago to have a couple of elderly people they were widow ladies and more than more than a dozen times in a year's period, one of them or the other would, as they would pass through the foyer, and we would be there to shake hands, would say, Pastor, I couldn't sleep all night last night, but I knew what to do, and I prayed for you all night that God would bless you and use you and strengthen you so that no matter what the enemy may throw at you, God's going to see you through. And those prayers carried on when only God knew what was going on. And today, I want to talk to you about our prayer, prayer life. And I want to talk to you about the earthquake that I see coming as it did in the New Testament. For these words I draw from Acts chapter 4, verses 31 through 33. And when they had prayed, notice these words, and when, not if, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Would would you say this word with me today? All. They were all filled with with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Will you say this word with me? With boldness. Come on, that was not good at all. Speak the word with boldness. That's not too bad, but I know the bold game is going to be louder than that. Can you say the word one more time? With boldness. Oh, hallelujah. You made heaven shake. Now the multitudes of those who believe were one heart and one soul. We're talking about unity. I want to stop right here and say this morning, one of the greatest assets this church has today is a unity. Where the Spirit of the Lord dwells, there's liberty. There's no animosity in the leadership of this church this morning. Not that there hasn't been doors of opportunity, but I'm glad when we pray, God brings the body of Christ together in unity and one accord. We all have our opinions. We all have our likes. We all have our dislikes, but when we come to the house of the Lord where the spirit of the Lord dwells there is liberty Liberty, that's right and unity now the multitudes of those who were believed were of one heart one soul neither did anyone say that anything they he possessed was his own but they had things in common and with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all 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 
everyone. If the church is going to make a difference for God in this century, we're going to have to go back and learn from the church in the first century that where we find the model and the pattern of this paradigm is found in prayer. By the time we get to the book of Acts chapter 4, the church in Jerusalem hadn't grown to 120. They had grown to over 20,000 in a matter of weeks. Wouldn't that be wonderful if that happened in Oklahoma? Wouldn't it be awesome if it happened at Elm Grove? Wouldn't it be wonderful if he did it in the churches of Oklahoma, around the world, and especially around America, America today? How, may I ask this question, how can our churches experience the kind of victory that Jesus spoke about? There's some principles that we're going to talk to you about this morning that's laid out in the books of, book of Acts. And one of the principles uh, uh, that God lays out is the, our prayer life. And, and prayer that is a discerning perspective, prayer that has divine purpose, and prayer that results in dynamic power. Have you ever gone somewhere and you prayed a little, little prayer? Maybe, maybe a, you thought a powerful prayer, but five minutes later you couldn't remember what you prayed. We've all been there. It just seemed recently that there's things happening in all of our lives of challenges, some that we have the answer for and some that we don't have the answer for. It seems like life is like a test and we fail to study for it. We think we're ready when the sun comes up on Monday, but when the phone begins to ring and the attitude and the direction begins to change, hang on, baby, it's not what you expected. Life has full, is full of challenges. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John had been used to, to, of God to heal a lame man at the temple. They'd seen a lame man that had never walked for, since he had been born, walk. And when the people saw this lame man walking and leaping and praising God, people were amazed. And then they gathered around Peter and John. And Peter preached to the people. And 5,000 men were added to the church and meanwhile, Acts chapter 4, the priests and the Sadducees had, had the temple guards grab Peter and John and throw them into prison. And when they brought Peter and John before the Sanhedrin the next day, Peter and John didn't back down. Aren't you glad for intestinal fortitude that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit? The Sanhedrin got together and told them never to speak in Jesus' name again. Now remember, this was a powerful group. When the Sanhedrin said something, that court meant what they said. These were very, very educated men who engineered the crucifixion of Christ. But Peter said these words, we just can't quit speaking about the things that we've heard and seen. Well, after Peter and John was released, they went straight back to the church and told them about how they'd been threatened. Acts chapter 4, verse 24 says that immediately they lifted their voice to God in prayer. They didn't think about it. They didn't meditate. They didn't even call a board meeting. They just began to lift their voice in prayer. And the New Testament church was a praying church, and that's why they were a powerful church. Do you pray? Does your prayer time get crowded out by television time? Who's in control of our life, Hollywood or the Holy Spirit? Let me ask you, if anyone in the church prayed like you, what kind of church would we have? Dr. Luke records the results of what happened in verse 31 through 33 that we read earlier. The place where they were meeting was shaken. 
They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all of one heart and one soul. Wouldn't you like for that to be said about our church? And it can be. With God, nothing is impossible. So I want you to see three things about our prayer message this morning that was so powerful that God said amen by the shaking of the church. Number one, the perspective of prayer. First, I want to just draw your attention this morning to the perspective of their prayer. If we want to pray with power, if we want God to make his presence known, we must pray with proper perspectives. Notice this perspective, and I draw from Acts chapter 4, verse 24. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer and said, Sovereign God, oh, sovereign God, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Have you ever noticed it's a little more difficult to talk about things that are not seen than it is those that are seen? Can I say this this morning? Our five senses are one of the greatest enemies we have working, even though they are a blessing from the Lord. I love to taste good Mexican food. I love fresh uh, cherry pie. I love, I love ice cream on top of it. I like angel food cake. I love to taste good food. In fact, this church is responsible for about 25 pounds that I don't need today. But let me say this. When we begin to move from a super, to the natural to the supernatural, and we begin to talk about worshiping the Lord, the God that we've never seen, we've just heard about, that Jesus died on the cross, and we accept that. He rose again the third day. And we can hear this, but many times it just doesn't grip us like our five senses. Have you ever heard this said? Or maybe you've said it yourself. When I see it, I'll believe it. Following Jesus is not seen. Man looks on the outward appearance. And many times we draw conclusions by what we see on the outside. I want to say this this morning to this congregation. Don't let your past or what people see you do by accident or by mistake make you decide that that's who you are. God looks on the heart today and he wants you to know you're very special or you wouldn't be here. He created you in his own image. He made you in his own likeness. And then he gave us the ability to follow him. Our prayer life must be very perspective. He wants us to know when we raise our voice in prayer, heaven opens and he hears the prayer. And he just simply puts it like this in everyday language. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open. Ask and you shall receive. For everybody who asks receives. And everybody who seeks finds, and everybody who knocks, it'll be open. Oh, it's so easy to read that, but what does it mean? It doesn't mean anything until we put God in perspective. He's still the creator of the universe. He still speaks in the winds and the waves obey. He's still the great I am. He's still the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end. And yet, so many times in our time of perspective praying, we just kind of treat him like a spare tire. What is a spare tire for? In a day of crisis, when you feel the automobile doing something it doesn't do, and you know you've got a flat tire that's signaling to you, you need to pull off quickly. And the mind begins to plug in. I haven't seen the spare in two years. I wonder if it's still up. I don't even know how to get the jack out of this vehicle. And it looks more like a scissor when you get it out than it does a jack. And it's got this handle that folds up, you know, and, and a good finger pincher, especially if you don't have a flashlight. I wonder if prayer oftentimes is treated 
like a spare. Only in crisis. Only in a time when only God knows. Only in a time when it seems impossible. Only a time when the storm is prevailing and the winds and the waves seem like they're about to take us under. Do we remember? Oh, sovereign God. Our pastor said, you'd always be found if we'd call upon you. Notice, they first saw God as the almighty creator. They said, you know this high priest and the 70 members of the Sanhedrin have power? But Lord, you're the creator and you made them and you have almighty power. Do you realize that we serve a God who created the heavens and the earth? He weighs the mountains and the scales and the hills in the balance. He holds the seven seas in the palm of his hand. He is a God that divided the sea for Moses, and he's a God who brought down the walls of Jericho. Why don't you just give him a hand praise this morning and say, I'm glad I know the God, the great I am. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's a God who delivered Goliath into the hands of David, the Hebrew children from the fiery furnace. He's a God who came in human flesh flesh in the person of Jesus Christ who command the winds and the waves to obey, who cast out demons, who raise the dead and he's the God that will execute judgment in the end of this age. He's a God of might and, just, and majesty. He's a God of power and glory. He's a living God and besides him there's no other. Am I encouraging you to start talking to him? Am I encouraging you, Lord, I want to pray. I want to seek your face. I want America to turn around. And, and can I say this? I'm at the age today, I'm going to make it over the finish line. Because if they shut the grocery stores down tonight and you can't buy any gas, I'm going to walk to your house and we're going to eat one more time. <laughs> I took little Owen in, in my lap. A few nights ago at a ball game, and I didn't realize that we were, he was, he had, he had captivated an audience behind us, and he was smiling, he's got such joy, and I was just, I was just really pumping it because I, I he, he has stole my heart. Jim Hedges was behind me, and he punched me on the shoulder, he said, preacher, I think that boy loves you. And I said, I'm trying to shake all of Jesus I can into him while he's little. I wonder, could we all just stand a little more of shaking of Jesus? Hallelujah. I tell you, we're in this world, but we're not like this world. We've got a lot to look forward to. The Bible says, if in this life only we had hope, we'd be a very, very, most people most miserable. But the great I am loves you. He cares for you. He's placed you right where you're at for such a time as this. And he wanted you to hear this challenging message on prayer. Oh, friend, today God is a God of power and glory. He's a living God, and besides him, there's no other. Number two, they saw God as an absolute sovereign God. God didn't just create the universe. He's still very much involved. He's calling the shots of the affairs of men. And that's what the founding fathers referred to when they spoke of divine providence. Looking again at Acts chapter 4, verses 25 through 28, they were saying, Lord, this is the direct fulfillment of prophecy. You said that nations would rage, that people would plot, that kings and rulers of the earth would rise up against you and your son. Lord, it happened just like you said. Even though we've longed for better days, we look for a better day. I believe that we probably were living in the best days that we will see here on this land called America. And the Bible says it has tried to prepare us for these days. In the last days, things will wax worse and worse and worse. And today... We have a proven fact on the TV screen, screen that's taking remote pictures of America today. And listen to me, 
Our politicians have forgotten that you reap what you sow. Oh, you're, you're getting it. You reap what you sow. So here's what the church did. They gathered to pray in the midst of a clear and present danger. And they looked back in the darkened day of their lives. And they remembered the day when all their hopes and dreams were nailed to the cross. And they thought, all is lost. But then they saw Jesus defeat death, hell, and the grave when he walked out of the tomb alive, just as he promised. And they watched him ascend to the clouds of heaven and to the right hand of the Father, just like he promised. And they experienced the coming of the Holy Spirit with power, just as Jesus promised. And they knew that everything was proceeding according to the plans and purposes of God. It was exactly, exactly as God had mapped out from the foundation of the world. Corey Tim Boom suffered through Hitler's concentration camps, lost several members of her family, and yet was a shining light to the testimony of Jesus Christ. She once said, there's no panic in heaven, only plans. A favorite pastor, Adrian Rogers of mine, used to say this, the Holy Trinity never meets in emergency session. In fact, when John was given the revelation of Jesus Christ, he saw heaven, and, then, and the first thing that impressed him was that God had created the throne. Nothing's out of control, my friend, this morning. God has everything well in hand. That perspective will make a difference in how we handle problems if we'll learn and allow God to just allow us to take a glimpse at the problems and then begin to gaze into the heavens for the answer. After all, he's the almighty creator and absolutely. But notice not only does the perspective of God met in, in Acts chapter 4, but I want to look at another perspective. In Acts chapter 4, verse 29, now, now, now Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. I wonder today how popular of a prayer that would be if we were facing the Supreme Court or the courts of, the, of this land. And in a moment of silence, when we knew we were in the seat being tried, in the chair being tried, I wonder if we would have the boldness to lift our voice toward heaven and say, Lord, grant your servants the boldness to speak the truth about your provision for my life. I submit to you that the reason why many of our prayers are unanswered is, is that we don't have this perspective. I drive a lot, and years ago, it's not as popular as it used to be, but I used to see this bumper sticker, God is my co-pilot, but he's really not. I heard about a businessman even that he, he was praying. He said, I'm going to start my business, and I'm going to ask God to be my partner, and he went bankrupt. Friend, God doesn't want you to be, he doesn't want to be your partner. He doesn't want to be your co-pilot. He wants to be your Lord. Yes, he does. And there's a great difference. Amen. The left seat is always in the plane. If you're looking at the plane from the front, looking back toward the plane, the man in the left facing you is always the pilot in charge. And the co-pilot or the captain is seated in the other, in the chair, uh, the other chair. It's important that we realize that we would never make it through the storms of life if we wanted to be the pilot. Because the storms are much greater than we're planned for many times. But when we relinquish, and the, the left seat always means I'm in control. 
But when we relinquish that point and let Jesus be in control of our lives, when he's in control of the ship and we are there to support his decisions, it's amazing what praising will do. Thank you, Jesus. You're at the control, Lord. I used this last Sunday. There's half the congregation that wasn't here last Sunday. I want to use it again. little boy was on the airliner one morning, seated beside this elderly lady. And no more had the plane ascended into the skies until the, the turbulence became unbearable. The, chain, the plane was shaking and rattling and the coffee that had been served and the soft drinks were tipping off and falling into the floor. And, and the plane just began to shake in manners that only a plane could shake with bad turbulence. And the little boy's still playing with his toys. He's got his seatbelt on. He's just having a good time. Finally, the elderly lady could take it no more. And she, she tapped him on the shoulder and she said, Sonny, I've had about all of this I can take. We're going through one of the worst storms that this plane could go through, and you're not even paying the storm any, any attention. You're just having a time of your life. Sonny, would you just quit playing with the toys? I need you to know this is serious business. And the lady's hand was shaking. Her voice was trembling. And the little boy looks up to her and says, Ma'am, if you only knew who was in charge of flying this plane, you'd be all right. You see, my dad's in charge. He's the pilot, and he can take this plane through any storm. <laughs> can I tell you this morning, when you relinquish your control and let Jesus have control of your life, Romans 8, 28 becomes a testimony. It comes on the billboard of your computer. You can know that all things work together for good to those that love God because he's called you on purpose. And he has a purpose for you. And here's what he says. If any man not deny himself, let him take up the cro his cross and follow me. Jesus is so simple for people like me. He doesn't get into trigonometry and geometry and all of those things that I couldn't pass in school. He just says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And yet we wrestle with the simplicity. Oh, I've got more important things to do than to follow Christ. That is until the storm clouds begin to billow. And the storms become, become shaking, uh, shaking to the platform and the foundation of our life. And then we realize maybe it is time to pray. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. I want you to look at me this morning. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. People pass through the foyer. They pass through the foyer. Nearly every funeral they said, Pastor, you did a good job. Here's the way I respond. If it wasn't for Jesus, I'd have to run for my life. You see, when we give him all the credit, he gives us all the benefits. And he closes with a robe of righteousness, no matter how many mistakes we made. Aren't you glad we can come boldly to the throne of grace and prayer, no matter how bad we messed up? And he's just and faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he looks on the heart. Friend, this is the greatest life that you'll ever live when you let Jesus be your pilot. When you allow him to take you where he wants to take you. My fear in growing up in the minister's home was that the Lord would call me to Africa. And I'm so afraid of snakes. I don't want to leave the southern part of Oklahoma. Many times the Lord just wants to check the temperature of our life. 
follow me, he said, and I'll make you fishers of men. I'm not a fisherman. I'd rather eat Frank's fish. I'd rather eat, I'd rather eat uh, Jerry's fish. I'm not a fisherman. Listen to me. Jesus wasn't talking about catching the natural fish. He was talking about catching real fish, fishers of men. And today there's a real need for fishers of men. 17% of America went to church somewhere today, and we've, we have delegated churches to nearly every church corner. Some people like loud singing and dancing and skipping and running about. Other people like quiet, soft, mellow songs. Some people like to clap their hands, while others just like to fold their arms. You can find any church you want to worship at. Right. There's one on every corner. Just don't stay home. Remember the Lord's day to keep it holy. And then the greatest thing we can do is say, Lord, I'm going to church no matter what rises and comes in my way. When Sherry and I first got married, I worked seven days a week. I was off from 1 to 5, Monday through Monday. And I would watch that clock, and I knew at 10 o'clock, church had began at Midway. That's where Sherry and I got married. That's where we had been raised. I knew at 1045, classes was being out. I would watch that clock on Sunday morning because for almost 18 years, I mean, it was that Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. In fact, I felt like I was a drug baby. I was being drugged to church every Sunday. Not only Sunday morning, it was Sunday night. Not only that, but when we had a revival, it was seven nights a week. Even when the junior-senior problem was going on. But listen, those days didn't hurt me. They probably, because of some praying ladies like Rachel now sitting right in front of me today, they continue to pray with a perspective. Lord, keep your hand upon those kids. They're not half as smart as they think they are, but they'll wise up in the days ahead. I watched my, my behavior around Rachel quite a bit for a reason. At that time, God was not my co-pilot. I thought I was piloting the plane that I was driving. I want to close with this this morning. You want God to answer your prayer? Do you want revival to be a true awakening? Do you want to see him move with power and great glory? Then we must get our perspective right with the Lord and with ourselves, And learn to do what the word says. Just submit yourself to him. Lord, I'm here. I'm here. Show me the way, Lord. Prepare my heart for what the, what the purpose of prayer may be. And today... There is a purpose. There is a purpose in our prayer. There is a purpose in the church to pray like we've never prayed before. And God wants you to know there's a real purpose to pray for our leadership of America today. You know, when, they, when, they, when, when America is endorsing after a baby has been born, it's, they want it to be legal to put that baby to death. What is wrong with America today? Washington may not have it right, but let me ask you, I'm asking myself this question, have I got it right? When I get it right, and I know God's always right, he says, where any two shall agree as touching anything, it shall be done. Hallelujah. 
listen, God just wants you to get in sync with heaven. That, that twin-engine plane that I, I flew, flew for several years, when you get up to your, your altitude you wanted to climb, those, air, those, those props that were running like 2,100 RPM, you could hear them go, wow, 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 which simply meant they were both turning 2,400 or 2,100 RPM as you leveled out at 60% power, but they weren't in sync. They were all doing, they were doing their pulling. They were pulling that 6,000-pound plane through the air. They were the altitude. They'd done it all, but they weren't in sync. Even though they were all, they had the fuel flowing, they still weren't in sync. But you could, once you got where you wanted to be, you'd set your instrumentation up. You could flip a little switch. It, called, it was called synchronizer. And here's how the sound would be once you flipped the synchronizer switch. It would, it would be going, wah, 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 wah. You flip a switch, it would go, and you could go to sleep at 14,000 feet of the air while you were traveling if Sherry was your co-pilot. Awesome. You know what? God wants a church to see him as the invisible synchronizer. We all have differences. We all have personalities. But when we come together and we expect the power of prayer to work in our life, he brings us together and he synchronizes because we have one Lord, one Jesus Christ who's great and powerful. His grace is sufficient and it's made perfect in our weakest hour. My closing thought today, they not only prayed that God would enable them to speak his word, but to stretch out his hand. And I want to say this to the ladies of the church this morning. Just a call away, and the meal is already put together. Synchronization of the ministry of this church is phenomenal. Synchronizing the work of God is, is, is priceless. Any pastor today would tell you when the church just works together, when they all pull together and synchronize, it's amazing what praising can do. Month after month, there's compliments about what's going on in the kitchen. Compliments about how good the food is. There's been people who've been passing through that line 15 years, and they leave with this testimony. It's never tasted better than it tasted tonight. And I think, Lord, your blessings continue to make rich. And they add no sorrow. Would you stand? We're going we're gonna to do something this morning uh, before we close. It's, it's two minutes till 12. But while the sound... Man, put on some soft music. I want to ask you to come forward for just a few moments, and we're going to put into action a prayer that I believe that will minister not only to our lives, but it will minister as we leave this building this morning. God, let my hands be what you want them to be. Let me have an out, outstretched hand in this community that you need to make things different than what they are today. I want you to come. Just come right on. If you have to go, just slip out quietly this morning. But I want everybody to cut come today that possibly can, and we're going to spend a time in praying together before we leave. Thank you, Jesus.